how to create a signature sales process that closes 50% more clients with David Neagle, episode 277. Are you ready to make your law firm a profit generating machine that will free up your time and skyrocket your impact? With more than two decades of business growth experience and having proven that you can be successful while prioritizing your family and your impact, introducing the Profit with Law podcast. I am your host, the creator of the firm differentiator 10x effect, Moshe Amsel. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Profit with Law podcast. I'm your host, Moshe Amsel, and today we have a replay for one of the sessions of our annual planning best year ever 2022 event. If you want to access the video version of this episode, as well as all the other topics that were covered during this event, as well as links to the downloadables from the speakers, you definitely want to go check that out at profitwithlaw.com forward slash planning replay profitwithlaw.com forward slash planning replay we will also have that linked up in the show notes below this episode as well as on our website profitwithlaw.com and without further ado here is that session seems like you guys are rocking it maddie was fantastic um what's really cool is that this fits right in with everything that maddie just taught you and you know, really expanding the vision and the destination of, of where you're going um, with your law firm. For over 10 years now, I've worked with thousands of attorneys, um, uh, not just in the United States, but worldwide, really, to help them increase their income by millions of dollars with the process that I'm going to be talking about today. Now, this is called How to Create a Signature Sales Process for Your Firm that Closes 50% More Clients. Now, obviously, I can't cover that entire thing in 30 minutes, but what I want to give you today is the reason why this works so that you have a really a solid understanding of why this process actually works uh, with individuals. And it works with everybody. There's, there's no question about um, is there, are there different people that it would work for or not work for. This completely works with every person because what you're doing is you're literally working with why a person would actually want to work with you. So during this session, I'm going to be referring to a blueprint that you can gain access to later. So you want to be sure to download and, and print that when you, when you get access to it. So let's start off with this idea. When you actually get to the place where you're having a conversation with somebody about why they need your product or service, you're dealing with something that we assume is there. Uh, but we may not know exactly what the reason is a person would want to buy. And that's that there's a problem that you can solve. Now, if we think about it from the perspective of the fact that you're actually talking with this individual would indicate to some degree that they already know that you probably have some kind of a solution for them. The question is, how do you get past the idea of whether or not they have enough urgency to buy and to start working with you now? Do they really understand the need uh, versus the benefit versus the so-called um, consequence if they don't? And is there enough urgency for them to actually take action? And one of the biggest problems that salespeople anywhere run into is, is there a value conflict going on in the person's mind between 
the need and the urgency for what they want and what might be getting in the way of them actually purchasing, i.e. like uh, how much something costs or is there some kind of a conflict possibly with another person that's in their life. Believe it or not, many sales are lost because the individual that you're communicating with wants to purchase from you. They want the solution that you are working with them on actually getting, but there's something about what it is that you're selling, how much it costs, the time that it might take, that somebody else in their life has more influence over than you do. And I'm gonna show you how to bring that to the surface and how to deal with it if in fact that problem is actually there. Because people will completely lose sales under the guise of it's not the right time or I don't know that I can do this now or I wanna shop around when actually the real problem is they are afraid to say no there's somebody else that they need permission for in order to actually make the purchase or they're struggling with the idea of how much something costs and validating in their own mind how they're going to get the money to be able to actually do something. So let's get into a little bit of, of real sales psychology around why and how this actually works. So first of all, let's understand a bit about ourselves. Because I think the more that you actually understand about yourself, uh, the more you're going to understand the people that you are working with. In 1934, a brilliant doctor by the name of Thurman Fleet was teaching medical students uh, about the mind and the body and how they interact and, and basically how to think, um, how to think according to health, how to think according to science. And he was running up against a big problem. And the problem was that every time he talked about the mind, which is a process of the brain, the people that, were, that he was teaching would visualize the brain. And the brain is not the mind. The mind is actually an activity that happens uh, as a result of the way that the, the brain works. Also, the mind exists in all parts of the body, not just in the brain. Now, why is this a problem? Because when a person is thinking, they're, they're very much thinking visually. In other words, we think in pictures. When we give meaning to something, we usually associate an external image of what it is that we're thinking about or an internal made-up image of what we're thinking about, and it becomes associated to, to what we're thinking and actually the meaning that we're giving to it. Now, why is that important to you, for you to know? Because when you are talking with an individual about a problem that they have and you potentially having the solution, for you to understand that as you're talking with them, images that they have meaning attached to are coming up in their mind, but you don't know what they are. The question is, how do you know if they're thinking and processing something in a way that's a detriment to what actually you might be selling or it's actually helping you make the sale. And if you did know, how could you change it from something that was literally blocking the sale from happening because the person is stuck in their own psychology? And if you, if you, once you did know how to do that, how would you actually change it? So I'm going to explain that. So this image, which the good doctor called the stick person, right? I mean, not, not all that scientific, but it really works in an amazing way, helps us understand how our mind formed and what is the foundation of our own psychology and thought process that allows us to understand how to interact with somebody else in the sales process. So from the moment of conception to about seven years old, the stick person or the 
the baby, the individual, the human being actually looks like this with only the subconscious part of their mind actually developed. And it's important to understand that because once a person reaches the age of about seven, the mind starts to look more like this if we were to have a visual image around it. And it has another component part. So an adult has a conscious mind, they have the subconscious mind, and they have the body in which they take action with and through to produce external of themselves results, the circumstances in their life, and their environment. Now, you might want to write this down. Environment, whenever you hear me mention environment, environment is people, places, and things. That's what we consider environment. And it's important to understand when you're having a conversation with someone, if anything that is being referred to is within the idea of their environment, people, places, and things, you can be sure that they have a pre-programmed process, or in other words, a paradigm of how they actually think about those things and what is their subsequent behavior based on the idea of how they were programmed since they were a little kid. When the mind is in this form where it's only subconscious, it does not have the ability to think, to reason, or to, or to reject. It only has the ability to accept what's going on and around it. So from, again, from the moment of conception until about seven years old, all of the ideas, the images, and the experiences that are going on around this baby are going right into the subconscious mind and they become fixed as the foundation of how we think. In other words, the little baby is not choosing the information that's going into the subconscious mind. It's experiencing it. It doesn't have the ability to think about it, so it can't critically give reason or meaning to the things. It just automatically accepts it. Now, that forms this unique foundation of how a person thinks. So when they reach the age of seven years old, something very fascinating takes place. And that is that subconsciously, how we think is already probably 95 to 99% developed. Most adults are going through their life not even realizing that how they think, in other words, how they process information that is coming from an outside source, their results, their circumstances, and their environment, was literally introduced to them and solidified prior to the age of seven as how they think. So I said that the subconscious mind doesn't have the ability to reject. It can only accept. It does something else that's really fascinating. Literally, it doesn't have the ability to determine between what is imagined and what is real. So everything that is turned over to the subconscious mind prior to the age of seven years old is deemed as real or reality or being truth. It doesn't have the ability to change it. Also, here's something else that's really important. When a baby's born, obviously they don't understand language. So the baby is communicating and needs to find a way to communicate on how to get its needs met before it can speak. So it's communicating through gestures, it's communicating through sound, and it's communicating through feeling with its parents. The parents are responding to that and in turn meeting those babies' needs.
but it learns to respond to tone. In other words, the tone of a person's voice before it actually understands language. When you actually get into my program after you download it and get into it really deep, you're going to learn that when you speak in specific tones, you cause an automatic reaction in a person's mind before they even understand what you say. That means that learning how to control your tone can automatically cause a person to react one way versus another, positive versus negative, yes versus no, uh, being in harmony with what you're doing versus putting up any kind of resistance or defensiveness around it. So let's back up here a little bit. It becomes fixed in the mind. The mind is programmed with how to think. As this child begins to grow up, we have senses. We see, hear, smell, taste, and touch. That's how the information that's happening outside of us comes into our mind. It forms an image of what we're experiencing, and the subconscious mind then tells the conscious mind how to think about the image or the idea that we're experiencing external of ourselves. I know that's a lot, but you'll... Again, everything that I'm teaching you right now, you'll also learn in more depth when you download uh, the PDF, the subsequent PDF with this. So the subconscious mind, prior to the age of seven, just really let this sink in for a moment, is telling the conscious mind how to think about what it's experiencing. The interesting thing is that the subconscious mind can't think. The ability to reason or critically think is not in the subconscious mind. That is a process of the conscious mind exclusively. So what, are, what is it that's actually going on here? It is a reactive ability to whatever we're experiencing outside of ourselves, and then the thinking process actually takes place in the conscious mind itself. But the information in which it's using to think is coming from the subconscious mind. Now, that means that all of the beliefs and the values and the ethics that we have are really given to us before we have the ability to understand what they are. We start to go out into our world. We start to experience things based on what we were told about them. And then our thinking process is according to how we were told to perceive those things. And it either validates our experience or it looks at it and it says, oh, this is rubbish. It doesn't, it doesn't validate it. When we're getting into a sales process, the idea is that most sales techniques that are, have been in the world for 100 years or more come from the place of literally what I consider manipulation. And there's a difference between manipulation and influence. And let me tell you how I view this. Whenever we're trying to get somebody else to do something strictly because of what we want, we're basically trying to manipulate another person. We're not really considering what they want or what's best for them. We're trying to get them to do something based on what we want. And so much of sales has been taught from that perspective, I think, because they don't really understand that influence is far more powerful. It gets far more people to move to the place of actually wanting to buy and then being 100% staked into the idea of, I purchased this, I'm really involved, I believe in this, I'm totally going to follow through with whatever it is that you're asking me to do. In other words, they're very much involved with the process of 
the interaction between you and them. That relationship is developing, it's blooming, and there is a, a, an entire mechanism of trust that is built in this place for this simple reason. This individual who is buying from you wants to buy. They're not doing it because you're telling them to or that you're telling them, I think this is what's best for you, or you're trying to communicate how much knowledge or experience you have, you're actually coming from the place of finding out what this individual wants from the perspective of that's what they want, and they then see the reason and the urgency to buy. So let's take a look at what this looks like just a little bit further here. When you're having a conversation, with a potential client. The idea is this. If we're telling them what to do, automatically human behavior is to be defensive. None of us like to be told what to do. So if I start to tell this person all about me, if I start to tell them all about what we can do, if I start to even tell them what their problem is, even though they may want to hear it, even though they may understand they have a problem, there is part of our own psychology to be a little bit defensive. And, and the reason for that is that the mind knows that it has to process new information. So at the, at the speed or the tone in which it's coming in, it literally puts up um, to be defensive and to reject a little bit, to be resistant. It puts up a little bit of, of resistance there. When that's taking place, the person is not buying in to what it is that you're saying. They're trying to follow they're trying to justify in their mind, they're examining, they're trying to critically think about what you're telling them versus what their experience is, but you're not actually guiding them along the process of what they want so that they're fully bought in when you get to the place of having them make a decision. When you're influencing, you're doing something vastly different. You're asking questions right from the very beginning. Now, let me tell you why this is important. In any sales conversation, the number one thing that you want to be thinking about is number one, how can I help this person? Number two, the, the, the idea is, so see, see if we can follow this based on this image. How can I help this person? So this person already has a problem. They either know or they don't know what the problem is. And when you ask a question, they're automatically going to answer it because how they answer questions is already in their subconscious mind. What does that mean? It means this. If I ask you a question, you're not going to think to yourself, hmm, do I want to answer this question? There's very few situations in which a person would actually think that subconsciously what they've been programmed with millions of times over and over in their life is that when you ask a question they think about what they want to respond with not if they're going to respond so when you're in control of a conversation the idea is this i can maintain control as long as they're not being defensive, I'm asking questions and they're automatically responding to the questions. So I can guide that conversation in any direction that I want it to go based on developing the skill set of the exact questions and the tone in which I ask that question. When a, kid, when, when a child is small, and, you, and think about this, you automatically knew when you were a kid, based on the tone that your parents were speaking in, 
when it was okay to ask for something and when it was not okay to ask for something. You could tell the mood that they were in. You could tell whether or not they were approving or disapproving because we learn tone before we actually learn the content of the question. The mind automatically responds without any thought process, without any conscious thought process to the tone and the fact that you're asking the question because it's already programmed with how to do that. So the very first question that we would ask a person based on what it is that you have to offer and what the problem is, what do you want? Now, obviously, you can change this up based on um, maybe what the problem is, how much you already know what they want, the, and the cycle in which you're actually having the conversation. Is this the first time you've had a conversation? Is it the fourth time you've had a conversation? But in general, the question is, what do you want? And how you ask that question. So the way that I would ask the question with most people is, tell me, what is it that you really want? Now I'm controlling my tone, I'm controlling my pace, and I'm being very specific about what I'm asking. This individual is not gonna think to themselves, do I actually wanna answer this question? The way that I asked it literally does two things. Number one, it presents a, a, a bit of a means of authority, and number two, it gives them permission to actually think about what they want. And you might be thinking, well, why is that important? Because we're raised in a world that basically says it's not okay for us to ask what, for what we want. Even if it's in our best interest, there's a conflict that goes on in most people's minds that is basically this. Here's what you should do, or here's what you should want versus what do you really want? So when I say, tell me, what is it that you really want? What I'm doing is I'm being specific by the word really. I'm asking the question and I'm doing it in a way where I'm presenting myself as authority, but I'm also giving them this emotional permission to actually answer the question. Their thought process is so vastly different than if I approach it by going, so let me tell you what our firm can do. Let me tell you what we can do for you. Or let me present to you what your problem is and here's what our experience tells us what you should be thinking or how you should go after it. They are literally gonna come from the place of what is their real desire? What are they actually looking for here? What you will find that is, that is stunning in its, in its amazement is that people will instantly begin to open up to you, which is necessary in order for you to, you know, skyrocket your sales and, and accomplish the goals that you want, because they're, they're going to feel that it's okay to be honest, that it's okay to be vulnerable. And that's another big problem with individuals. You may be meeting them from the first time. How do they know they can trust you? How do they know that they can be vulnerable with you? In order to learn this, one of the things that I found out was that if you place a person in the right circumstance, in the right situation, based on the problem that they have, they will not ask, is there a reason for me not to trust this person? Or how can you prove to me that I can trust you? Think about this for a moment. If a person has a heart attack and they go to the emergency room, uh, there's a chance of death. So the urgency is very high on the list there for them to get the treatment that they need. As long as that there's not a visual distortion in the idea of a doctor or somebody being able to help them, 
they immediately go with do whatever you need to do. They're not going to be like, let me check your credentials. Let me check with three other doctors. Let me get another opinion. They automatically buy in because you're presenting yourself with two very important ideas. One is that I am the person of authority that can help. Number two, I'm coming from a place of compassion, which allows you to be completely vulnerable with me and I can do what I need to get done. It's the same thing with this question. What do you really want? And this person is automatically, without any thought on their part, going to completely skip whether or not they can trust you. They're going to completely skip whether I want to answer this question. And they're going to start to answer this question based on what it is that they want. The second question is why are they having the problem that they're having? Now, this question, all it does is it gives you an idea of how this person thinks about the situation that they're in. And here's the reason why this is important. Because it kind of tells you whether or not they're going to be part of the problem or part of the solution. If you say to me, uh, David, why are you having the problem that you're having right now? Like, why are you calling us? What is it that's going on that this problem exists? And I start to tell you, well, it's because this person did this to me or that situation did this to me. If I start to come from a place of kind of a victimized mentality, it may not be that you don't work with me, but you're going to understand that I'm not seeing myself as an empowered individual and part of the process where I actually want to participate the best that I can in getting the result that I want. If a person says, look, I'm not exactly sure why I'm having this problem, or I know that I did this to create this problem, you know that a person's coming from a more emotionally mature place where they're accepting responsibility for their situation, and they're probably going to be wanting to help a little bit more. All it does is evaluate this individual very quickly based on emotional maturity and one of two things. Do they see themselves as a victim in the world or do they see themselves as a person of responsibility in the world? Next question is, so you go from what do you want, why are you having this problem, what happens, what happens if this doesn't change? And basically what we're asking them is this, if you don't get the solution that you need in order to get the solution that you want, what is going to be the consequence long-term for you? And the reason that we ask this question is because it, but the, the, the polarity between what I want and what happens if I don't change creates the urgency if it's actually there. Urgency is the thing that determines whether or not they're willing to break through any resistance on their own in order to purchase from you right now. Understand this, a value conflict in a customer's mind is mostly a subconscious conflict, meaning that there's no rational thinking around it. Many times we've seen people where it's like, listen, if you don't buy X product or service, you're going to experience this terrible consequence. And they're arguing in their mind, well, that's kind of expensive. Or can I get a discount to do that? And, and you're thinking to yourself, look, this is your health or this is a legal matter. There's a severe consequence if you don't do something about this and you're arguing with yourself over a hundred bucks or something ridiculous because they have an emotional value conflict. Now, there's a lot that's attached to that that I go over deeper in the longer version of the program, but understand the idea is that we want to get around that 
before it creates an issue. Once it's brought up to the surface that it's an issue, it's almost like you're arguing for position as to whether you're better for them or whether they need to be paying attention to the thing that they're fighting internally. So when you ask what happens if you don't change, you're taking an external consequence that is at some distance in their future. You're helping them see what it is. You're bringing in it close so they can actually start to experience the pain of not following through and experiencing the consequence where it causes an internal desire for them to want what you have. Now, now remember, you're not telling them anything. All you're doing is asking questions. So what's important to know about that is that when you ask me a question and I answer from what's true from me, I don't feel like you've done anything to me. I'm telling you what's true for me, what's actually going on in my mind, in my experience, in my reality. That means that when we get to the point of making the decision, I'm doing it because I've realized this is what I want. I'm not coming from the place of you telling me what you think I should do. Only after you get the information here where they tell you what they want, and when you get the information here where they literally explain to you that they understand the consequence of not moving forward so that they're literally in their yes, can you go about explaining what you do, how it works, what the cost is, all of that. And then they actually see you as a partner in solving the problem because they've told you from their perspective why they think that you should work with them. It's almost as if unconsciously they're evaluating whether or not this is a good fit for them based on what they desire, not based on what you're telling them. It's interesting with sales because many people know that they're going into a sales conversation ahead of time and whatever their paradigm is about sales, forget what it is that you do or who's doing the selling or what the problem is. People have their own paradigm and belief system about sales in and of itself and that alone can become a block to even hearing the benefit of what you have. But when you come from the place of influence versus manipulation, when you come from the place of asking questions versus telling somebody something, all of that shuts down because they unconsciously think the process is you're going to tell them and try to sell them. And that's not what you're doing. You're asking questions. It registers with them with the idea that this person really wants to help. Their guard goes down, the idea of their vulnerability and transparency comes to the surface and they become a willing participant in their own salvation for whatever it is that they're doing. And the entire time you're controlling the conversation and you're controlling the direction of where it's going and it does not, number one, they don't even see that happening. They don't know that you're controlling it by how you're asking questions because the question gives the direction in which the mind is to think so that they can answer in a way that gives you information to understand where you're going next. But they don't, they don't see that. They don't realize that that's happening. They're completely emotionally involved in the question. So, like I said, this takes quite a bit of time to teach, and I want to make sure that you're able to dedicate the proper time to the process of actually learning all of it. So I'm giving you access to my Compassionate Conversion Sales Bundle. The link to the bundle with the instructions on how to access is included on the event replay page. Now, 
If you've registered for the event, uh, Motion and his team will be sending you an email with the link to the page. If you haven't registered, go to the link below and register to access the page. And Moshe, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I hope everybody got great benefit from this. And I know that once they implement this into their sales process, they're gonna see an extreme increase in the amount of sales that they're making in relation to the goals that they're actually setting for themselves. So thank you very much for having me. It's been a great pleasure. Well, David, thank you so much. As always, um, you you totally blew my mind, and I'm sure that of everybody here. But what's really cool is is that you broke it down into like four simple questions that you can ask in the sales process that really circumvents all of this. So it was all understanding why these questions are important. But it starts with asking somebody, "What is it that you want? Like, what what's bothering you, and and why?" Is that something that you want? And then how can I create that for you? And if you let them lead the conversation and tell you what they want, and then you can deliver it, it's easy for them to make a decision. There's no friction. It creates a frictionless um, environment in the conversation. So love that information. And uh, I'm excited to see what people are going to do with this moving into 2022, because that's what this is all about, is um, taking actionable steps to improve your law firm, to grow your law firm, to scale your law firm. So um, as David just shared, I'm going to share this with you again. If you want to access the slides, the, the handouts, the deliverables, whatever it is that we're sharing, uh, you want to go to um, profitwithlaw.com forward slash planning replay if you're not registered. If you're registered, you're going to get emailed the this page. But if not, you want to go there and you can put in your details and be taken directly to the replay page. My team works hard at night to get that stuff posted. So by tomorrow morning, everything from today will be will be up on that page. Have you been enjoying the show? We sure hope so. To make sure you never miss an episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player app. Next week, we will be back with more valuable resources and ideas on how to break the mold and take your law firm to the next level.